welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is February 26, 2020, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama, and today we are sitting down with Forrest and Mindy Walden. The Waldens have four children and live in Homewood, Alabama. Their youngest, Benjamin, was adopted from Ethiopia, and I wanted us to be able to hear a little bit about the Walden story of adoption, adopting from Ethiopia, little Benjamin, several years ago, nine years ago to be exact, but I also wanted us to hear about the Waldens' calling on their life, which is fitness. Uh, Forrest started Iron Tribe Fitness, and Mindy has been such a great partner in that with him, and they want to encourage us today about how we can get physically fit, how we can make sure that we are feeding our bodies well, both nutritionally as well as through exercise, and how fitness and exercise can help children who are brought home from hard places. But before we listen to the Waldens, I want to remind us that while it may still be winter outside, uh, the day with the warm breezes and cool lemonade are going to be consumed are coming soon. That means it's a great time to start planning your stand for orphans and show your family that you can never be too young to get involved with orphan care. Stand for Orphans is Lifeline's annual campaign to engage children on the sale of lemonade or doing bake sales or other activities in order to engage them to do something beyond themselves and to raise funds, to raise money, and to raise awareness for orphan and vulnerable children and foster children here in the United States. You can get your free stand kit at lifelinechild.org backslash stand and get ready for little hands to make a big impact to Stand for Orphans. Again, to engage with Stand for Orphans and to get your free stand kit go to lifelinechild.org backslash stand well what a gift it is to be joined by Forrest and Mindy Walden and they are dear friends from church uh, and then just through ministry and getting to watch each other do ministry uh, Forrest is the owner of Iron Tribe Fitness and uh, also a board member of Never Thirst, a sister ministry uh, that we've been able to and, and privileged to partner with. And so just grateful to have you guys on, but also your parents, parents to four children and your youngest who you adopted from Ethiopia. And so really, as we start, would, would you guys just mind telling us a little bit about your adoption story, you know, how the Lord called your family to adopt and kind of what that's looked like in your family? Sure. First of all, thanks for having us on. We uh, love to talk about this topic. Um, Mindy and I, when we were dating before we got married, we had the conversation of what, what do we want our future family to look like. And we talked about having three biological and then maybe thinking about adopting. But honestly, I don't know that we really talked about it mm-hmm. for the next 10 years True. as we were just doing life and having kids. And I think really the turning point for us was when David came and started preaching um, adoption and serving the poor and traveling overseas. And it just started to stir that in us, but it wasn't until, at least for me personally, that I went and I saw, uh, particularly a, an orphanage in Uganda that I came home. I said, Mindy, we got to start praying about this. And that was not a hard conversation for her. She said, I would love to start praying about that. So from your perspective, um, that's true. I think that I have always felt like adoption would be part of my story as a mom. And, um, 
you know, I, I didn't have super easy pregnancies. We had a few miscarriages along the way. Um, after our third child was born, we started really look, thinking and praying through, okay, how do we want the rest of our family to look? And um, the Lord led us to adopt our fourth child. So, When I know Benjamin is just a part of your family, uh, you know, when you look at the Walden family, he just fits in. I mean, he's from Ethiopia, so he has a bit of a different skin shade. <laughs> but other than that, he just fits in. You know, how? talk a little bit about just how your children even came, you know, your daughters, your other son. How did they come to the point of going, okay, we're going to bring in a son, we're going to bring in another brother or sister through adoption? Yeah, it was uh, something that we talked about a lot. We prayed for him every night for two and a half years. Um, we thought his name was going to be Andrew, so we've been praying for Andrew forever. We found out uh, his Ethiopian name was Benium, which means Benjamin, and we're like, we don't want to change that. So uh, all of a sudden, this Andrew they prayed for, they, they met as Benjamin, but they, I mean, they were a part of the process. And I mean, I'll never forget them being at the airport when they finally got to meet him. And it has been like he is no different for the last nine and a half years Absolutely. that he's been in our home. Um, we, I have to remind myself that he's black when mm -hmm. you know I'm at a restaurant and I see someone looking at us trying to figure out the dynamics. I'm like, oh yeah, he's black. Like it just doesn't even register for me anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think it registers for our kids either. You know, when they were little bitty, uh, or when Benjamin was little bitty. You know, the other kids were still in elementary school and. You know, I remember we'd come to carpool, we walked to school and come to carpool and Benjamin would be a stroller and the other children would say, how is he your brother? And they'd say, he's just my brother, you know? <laughs> so um, I, I don't think they have thought one other thing about it. They don't see it either. So, yeah. Well, I know your family, obviously adoption is a big piece of the way you've shown the gospel locally and, and obviously to Benjamin specifically, but, you know, also God called you both to this ministry of clean water around the world. And, you know, like you said, David Platt came to Brook Hills where we were all there. And I mean, you know, the gospel being preached to him kind of reoriented and, you know, reorganized our lives in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the gospel through him led you on many short-term mission trips for us. And, and I know specifically just your family to get more engaged with clean water. Talk a little bit about the birth of, of Never Thirst and how how that really just came to be as you traveled and as the Lord revealed those needs to you. Yeah. Uh, fundamentally, David just wrecked me on February 6th of 2007 when he preached the ultimate disconnect. And it was based off Psalm 67, one and two, which has become a life verse. It's a core value in my company. It's a core value at uh, Never Thirst. And um, essentially it's talking about connecting the blessings of God with the purposes of God. And I found myself that morning really questioning, God, why have you blessed me in business? I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And it was like God answered it that morning and uh, led me to several uh, trips, as you mentioned, and kept seeing the same thing over and over, lack of clean water, and really felt like um, there were great water organizations out there, but we didn't see any that were super intentional about going, first of all, to the 1040 window, and second of all, platforming the church as the primary outreach of the ministry. Not, I mean, water is fantastic. People need water, but they're still going to die and go to an eternal hell, even if they have clean water and no more disease. How do we combine uh, the church in these indigenous settings uh, where they get the platform for the water and then they have the ability to preach the word. And just like Jesus in word and deed, that, that was the mission. And 
Uh, we've just celebrated 11 years as a ministry and over 700,000 lives impacted. And uh, I've been able to align my company, Iron Tribe, with that through a workout for water program. We've raised just a shade under 4.5 million over our last 10 year history. And so it's just really been awesome to be able to orient uh, my business with Never Thirst, even our family, our kids are involved. We read the well reports together. Uh, Caroline uh, headed a, a club at, at Homewood this year to raise money for Never Thirst. Um, so yeah, it's just been a big part of our life. And um, adoption just played into all of that. And really when we started answering all the questions, are we gonna do domestic? Are we gonna do international? Like there was no doubt in our minds it was international. We felt drawn to that through what we had seen through Never Thirst and just the plight of the orphan is just a whole nother level um, over there. So yeah, it's just been a huge part of our story. And talk a little bit more just, cause that's, that's astounding. $4.5 million raised through your business platform. And you know, obviously Never Thirst is, is strong and dear to your heart. You founded the ministry, you sit on the board, but y'all have also cared for other ministries through your business as well. The Wounded Warrior Project, you know, we've done a uh, Tribe 5K together to help for foster care. Talk about why it was so important to use your business to help others and to do ministry. Yeah, so I mentioned uh, one of our core values at Iron Tribe. Well, first of all, let me start with our purpose. Our purpose is to create fitness to communities that change lives. And undoubtedly, that is what happens every time someone walks in our four walls. But it's so much more than that. And literally every time I speak, I just did it last week. We had our annual franchise conference. I go over our purpose, our values, our mission. And I always highlight ways we're impacted others outside of our four walls. I mean, the expectation is they come in. We want them to have an amazing workout. We want them to change their lives. We get fired up about that. But it doesn't stop there. We've seen small groups form out of our gyms. We've seen church plants meet in our gyms because we're not open on Sundays. We're an open floor plan. We've seen um, families we've been able to adopt for Christmas and provide uh, Christmas for them and you know, just making it available to our members. We've obviously seen a huge response to work out for water. Um, and I mean, that's just a simple Saturday workout that's very low overhead for the ministry. It's almost all, and you know how expensive it can be to put on galas and all these type things. It's just, it's allowed us to leverage uh, the list that we've built and expose them to something that they probably never would have been exposed to otherwise. And I've had members come up and thank me, like I didn't know. I didn't know about the need. I didn't know about Never Thirst. And we've had, you know, one of the coolest things I've been able to do is lead teams of clients, staff, and franchisees over to India, over to Cambodia to say, hey, yeah, you got together and you did a Saturday workout and you raised money, but now let's actually go see the people that were impacted. And then to be able to shoot video and share with the rest of the people who couldn't go, it just connects in a way uh, that's so much more than I just gave a gift. They feel actually connected to it. So it's literally one of my greatest satisfactions and feelings of achievement is to see how we've been able to le leverage Iron Tribe for the growth of Never Thirst. Yeah, and I, I would encourage folks, if you've never heard of the Workout for Water, to just look it up. Look up Iron Tribe and the Workout for Water because the thing that is just so awesome about it is it's it's not outside of your core values even as a company like you're utilizing your normal business operations 
in order to to really give people a good workout, which is what you do, but also for a cause. And just as such a great example about how the Lord has used both the business and the heart together for his purposes. But, you know, for those who don't know a lot about Iron Tribe, it is a, a community-based workout program with accountability and to get physically fit. And you have people, I'm sure, that come in a lot of times that they're not physically fit, that maybe are even unhealthy, and they're coming because maybe a doctor or a family member said, you got to get, you got to get in shape. I know fitness is important to both of you guys. Y'all, y'all met at Auburn, you know, cheerleading and, and fitness has always been extremely important. Talk about how even fitness has been used as a ministry in individual lives, either through Iron Tribe or a one-on-one opportunities y'all have had with people as you've lived your life. Let me take it. Uh, I mean, I've got so many. I mean, I literally, I just did a campaign. We just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. And I asked people to sub- submit to me their 10-year stories. Here's my 10-year story. I started this brand, uh, had big aspirations. Here we are 10 years later. What's your 10-year story? And so I've really been inundated the last week, really, with people saying, hey, here's my 10-year story. Let me tell you. And I didn't even ask to say, how did Iron Tribe play into it? But they told me, you know, I, I came in. I was facing depression. I was facing hypertension. I was facing obesity, just all these things. And uh, now I've got a new lease on life. Not only have I dropped the weight, but I've been able to X, Y, Z things that I didn't think were related. Like I just got one this morning from a lady who said I was an accountant and I was a nerd and I've never played sports and I never saw myself in that light after five years. I now run five K's. I now go do this. I'm at Disney typing this and I will walk eight miles today with no problem because of iron Tribe. So just seeing like the way it impacts their daily life and that their ability to do more. But my favorite last weekend, I was in Auburn for the Kentucky game and a guy I cheered with saw me in the crowd and he, he tried, he got my attention. He's like, man, I've got to talk to you. And there was, it was everybody's yelling. I was halfway down the road. He's like, I'll text you. I'll text you. So he texts me and he said, Hey man, I'm sitting a section over from you and I'm with a, a, a friend of mine who just lost her husband to cancer. Uh, he battled it for three years. He was a fraternity brother of mine. And she's a strong believer. And she was just telling me that her therapy in life is Iron Tribe. She's like, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. He said, not only have I heard of it, I know the founder, he's a section over. Would you like to meet him? And she said, I would love to meet him. So he came and grabbed me after the game, brought me down to her. She's there with her three kids. They just lost her father. She just lost her husband. She hugged my neck and for the next five minutes, basically described how, and she's in Atlanta at our Marietta location. Um, so I've never met her. I've, you know, I've never seen her. She's at a franchisee's location, but she said, my experience has been, this has been my church. This has been uh, a ministry to me. This is the one time a day where I can focus on myself and not how are my kids doing and all the ramifications of uh, the passing of my husband. And she said, I know that was your heart when you started this. And I want you to know that it's being delivered in, in uh, Marietta. And I stood there at that point in the empty Coliseum and I thought, you know what? That means more to me than the profit and loss and the return on investment and how many locations. I mean, to know that we're living out and I I didn't share the core value, but it's to connect God's blessing for this purpose. That's the core value. And so I took a picture with her, text my franchisee and said, just heard the most amazing story of how you guys are living out Psalm 67, 1 and 2. So that, yeah, I could go on, but yeah. th- those are a few good ones. That's awesome. And then 
I think that story is in your family as well. Because, you know, one of the things we know about Ethiopia is that children come home usually malnourished, not a lot of nutritional value, uh, you know, many times as well, weak. Uh, I know Benjamin is in that mold when he first came home, malnourished, weak. And I know for a fact, because I know your family, that, that y'all believe in fitness and you also believe in nutrition. How do you think that's helped Benjamin even adjust as a part of your family, but also to be able to function at such a high level? Well, um, there, just a disclaimer, Benjamin is a fabulous eater. Okay. <laughs> so, um, he was very malnourished when we brought him home. I think he was like 14 pounds and he was um, almost one. He had hypotonia, which low muscle tone. He couldn't hold his head up. He couldn't, he was kind of like a rag doll. Like you picked him up. He was like raggedy Ann. And um, he even had the hypotonia in his mouth. And so he had a hard time sucking a bottle. So we had to do a lot of speech therapy, OT, that kind of thing, just to be able to get him to, you know, eat like me, like we do, you know. But um, I tried to feed him the healthy, healthy things, anything. He really would eat anything. And I, mean, I think he would eat four or five avocados a day. And he amazed us at just the amount of food he could put away. And he rapidly grew. Rap I think we only did therapy for like two months and he, he graduated. So I think good food, um, not too much. You have to be careful because, you know, he will, they'll overeat. You know, if they're malnourished, they'll overeat. And so... I think just us feeding him good quality I and mean, really avocados, I'll be honest. It was pretty much just avocados because he loved them and it just made him thrive. I mean, you know, the love and the nurture and then the good food just rapidly, he rapidly improved. And he's massive for his age yeah, right he now. Is he, now. At nine, he's as big as our 12 year old yeah. brother, his 12 year old brother. Um, we're not quite sure how big his parents were. We have a picture and a video, uh, but it's hard to tell. Um, but if he keeps growing, <laughs> Mindy always laughs. I mean, we're going to have the first seven foot Ethiopian. Like, in our how house, did but, our little tiny family get the seven foot Ethiopian? Yeah, but, but he, you know, and, and he, he, he's doing really well in sports. He hit 16 home runs last year and the next closest, uh, home run hitter had two. Wow. So he's just big, he's strong. Mm -hmm. Um, he's really thrived in a lot of ways. Yeah, he has. I, I, ha I do struggle a little bit with the eating now. I mean, he's, he, he wants to just eat junk now. So it's, it's harder and harder and harder, but we're just, just doing our best to continue to feed him good food. He, yeah, he kind of has some food issues. You know, he wants to snack all day. Um, I've tried even like locking the pantry door. That did not go well. No. Uh, he laid on the pantry door for two days and screamed. <laughs> so I won't do that again. So we're just, we're, we still constantly struggle with the food, but we still try to offer, you know, healthy, good food for him. You know, I think part of that is just the way our family works and Mindy's ministry is uh, mostly stay at home. Mom, she works a couple days a week, uh, but they always have breakfast cooked for him and at least four out of the seven nights during a week, sometimes more, there's a home cooked meal. And that's always going to be some type of clean protein, typically purchased at Whole Foods, um, and then vegetables and, you know, a rice or a sweet potato or something like that. So at least two meals of the day, we know we're controlling, they're going to get good yeah. meals. And then our girls, I mean, they pack their lunches every day, so they, they pretty much eat clean all the time. But it is interesting to see how our kids can sit down and eat something with vegetables or eat something they haven't had before. And so many others, kids won't, you know, touch anything but chicken fingers and grilled cheese. And thankfully we've avoided some of that, not all of that. Yeah, not all of that, but some of it.
Well, and even like you touched with your story from the, the lady from Marietta, you know, physical fitness as well as good nutrition is so tied to mental and emotional health. Uh, and I think a lot of that is the way I've cared for Benjamin has helped him acclimate. But there's so many people probably that are listening to this podcast that go, well, that's great. That's what y'all do for a living. So I know you got a lot of good time to do that. But how is a simple person here in middle America, like how do I start a routine? What, what would you tell, first me, what would you tell the mom who's going, yeah, I do stay at home, but I'm running from here to here. I have no time to work at workout, have to grab something from Chick-fil-A all the time. Like how can I start to put some principles, even small steps to good fitness and good nutrition? Well, I, I know just from personal experience, what I have had to do as a mom is to exercise, first of all, before anybody gets up. And that's because if once pe- once the kids get up, then you're on, you know, and you're really not off until they go to bed and you're exhausted. So you're not going to work out after they go to bed. So for, it, it's going to be hard the first week getting up, you know, at six o'clock in the morning or five thirty in the morning to go work out. But I promise you, once you do it a couple days, you will fall in love with it and you will continue to do it. So that would be my first encouragement is to exercise before they get up. Um, second, you know, eating eating clean is not terribly hard. It doesn't have to be fancy. You know, you can throw some grilled chicken on the, you can throw some chicken on the grill. You can cook rice in 15 minutes. You can broil some broccoli in about five. So, I mean, you can do a quick dinner in, you know, 10 or 15, well, 15, 20, 30 minutes at the most. So you just kind of have to start. And I think once you get past those first two weeks of starting, you know, I feel like even kind of when I get off the wagon and I have to get back on, I feel like the first two weeks are the hardest. And then once you get through those that first week and then the second week becomes easier and then after that it's kind of autopilot so that would be my suggestion work out early and then find things you can cook quickly because you can do it well i think another thing you do well is you never cook one meal you cook true multiple meals so i can take lunch the next day and we have and we meal prep pretty much every night that's getting harder to do because our boys are crushing some food (laughs) it is i've noticed my portions are getting smaller the next day but that's i mean that's huge because then i have lunch content i eat two lunches um but i have it contemplated for the next day and it's based off what she cooked the night before yeah and how about for men so you know and you travel a lot as well because of your work and you know, you're not just going to gyms to go work out. I mean, you're, you're working to lead a team and a staff and, and, you know, a brand. How would you encourage the average man to get engaged, to get physically fit, even if it's not, you know, they're going to they're gonna be in a competition, but just to have that physical repertoire and to eat well, especially for the road warrior dads who are on the road all the time. Absolutely. Uh, I, first of all, I would say we're no different. Uh, just because we're in this industry, like we have the same struggles, temptations. Mm-hmm. People don't believe me that I could literally talk myself out of working out every day. They think I'm, I mean, I love it, but still every day I'm like, okay, I don't feel like it today, but I know if I get started, right? Um, so I'm not unique and you're not unique listening to this. Like you have one body and it does not matter how big you build your business. It does not matter how great your family dynamics are and how great of a spiritual leader you are. If your body's going to pot, you've got nothing to give. And you're gonna get to the end of your life or uh, <laughs> sooner than you'd wish and wonder, man, what, what in the world have I done here? I've, you know, I'm dealing with chronic disease and this, that, and the other. So my, my suggestion is to get started doing something and 
what I find is people make it too much of a zero sum game. Like I got to be all in. I've got to work out six days a week. I got to drink a gallon of water a day. Mm -hmm. I got to eat no pesticide. You know, this should get wrapped up in so much. And what happens is you may do good one or two days and then it's overwhelming. You have a bad day. You go on a trip, you eat Chick-fil-A, you get fried chicken and you really knew you should have gotten salad. And you're like, ah, you throw out the whole thing, right? But, you know, like I, I can't do it. And so I find people just, create like i gotta do it all or i don't do anything and in reality like everything counts like everything and, and, and you know nothing revolutionary here but you know simple things taking the stairs parking further away in the parking space uh as mindy said getting up first thing i couldn't agree with that more and getting it out of the way because there's no phone calls and meetings and things at, at first thing in the day and you get energized and you have more to give now i will say i'm sympathetic to road warriors because it's tough on the road mm -hmm. i have to pack stuff i have to bring supplements good protein bars good protein shakes things where you just get in binds where you just literally can't do anything but also find you can get a really good workout in a hotel room uh, at any point with no equipment and so if you will just commit that okay i'm on a two-day trip i'm gonna work out twice um, we have some travel workouts. If you need that, we can help you. Um, but just breaking a sweat and bringing your food, uh, it's amazing how much more effective you can be on the road. So I sum all that to say is like, just get started. Go for a walk after dinner tonight. Take Mindy's advice and cook a healthy dinner. And what you find is those simple choices start to compound and create momentum where the other is the opposite of momentum. When you try to do everything and then throw it out, you actually tend to do worse because then you're just in despair. Right. I also want to say one other thing as far as planning for healthy meals. I make a menu for the week and a grocery list on Sundays and I stick to that. I mean, I, I, we go to the grocery store on Monday morning and get everything for the week and I follow the menu. So if you'll just take a few extra minutes on Sunday to kind of go through your cookbooks, there's so many websites out there now that are for healthy meal planning. There's services online that will actually even deliver the stuff to you. So there's lots and lots of options. It just takes a little planning so that you don't waste time, you know, when you're getting off work or after you pick up carpool or whatever, and you got to run to the store and you spend 20 or 30 minutes in the store, and then you got to come home, unload, you know, prep, that kind of thing. So if you already have it at home, you know what you're going to cook, pull it out of the refrigerator and go. Yeah. Which is another good point that overcomes a common misconception is that it's so expensive to eat healthy. Well, especially with four kids who are mm -hmm. no longer ordering from the kids menu. Yep. Cooking our own food saves us tons of money. Yeah, and we half. know when we when we don't stick to her meal planning, like our eating out budget just skyrockets. Mm -hmm. Well, I think something that's so intentional that you both said is just make a plan. And, you know, since a lot of our listeners have adopted, you know, you don't just wake up one morning and go, I think I'll adopt today. You know, you make a plan, you think about it, you look at your finances, you look at, your, you know, our kids, what age. I mean, there's so many decisions that you make and there's such a plan and you carry that plan out and then you bring this child in your home. And so now that these children are home, we need to make a plan for how we're going to feed them, for how we're going to, you know, help them exercise, for how we're going to exercise ourselves. And something that I love that I've heard really both of you say is you can't care for others if you don't care for yourself first. Um, and so, but as we think about just family fitness, what are, what are some ways you'd encourage a family to say, okay, not just husband and wife, mom and dad, but how, what's a good way to get your kids physically active? 
I think it starts with them seeing the example of us doing it and that it's important. I mean, they're used to waking up every morning and knowing mom's not home. She's at the gym and she's going to come home in a few minutes. Um, I have, I still have a weight room in our garage. So they see me work out, uh, the times I'm not at iron tribe. They, it's just, they've grown up with it. So I think the example is important. I mean, what we've seen with them, first of all, they're all super competitive in sports and so busy. There's not a lot of time for extra working out type stuff. Um, they're starting to, the girls are getting a little older. Mm -hmm. They'll go in the garage. They'll sometimes go to iron tribe with Mindy. Um, but uh we do try to do active things together like we our favorite thing to do is go out and run at uh, red mountain park not far from the house we'll just go out take the dogs the dogs love it and just run for an hour and i'll do that with my t the girls do it a lot more than the boys they're older they're 15 and 17. they absolutely love that it's great bonding time for us and with the boys it's more hey let's grab the basketball and go out back and, and play basketball um some whatever they're into I have not intentionally not pushed, you know, mm -hmm. burpees and push-ups mm -hmm. and let's get you under However, dumbbells. I used to make them do burpees for punishment when they were little. <laughs> yeah, I did true. make them do that. But I just never, I didn't want to be that guy who um, forced my kids into what I was into. Right. I think that maybe I have a 12 and nine year old boy. Um, I think there'll come a time they're like, dad, I, I'm ready to start learning about working out, mm -hmm. but I, I haven't pushed it. Right. And, mm -hmm. but the, they, they're super active. Um, and again, we just try to create, you know, whether it's walking, mountain biking, running, ways of things we can do active yeah. together. We've even been taking active vacations in the summer. So oh, yeah, right. hiking, biking, um, we went skiing, you know, we, we learned, we took one vacation to an all-inclusive and we were all sitting around the pool staring at each other and they were, everybody was so bored. So we learned really quickly that we are an active, you know, family just by what we do every day. You know, it's hard for us to just sit by the pool so that's right well, and, i mean i think people also think well i don't have how am i going to invest in my children if i have doing all these things but you know uh, I, I even think of recently you know caleb and i there were some kids in the neighborhood that came up some boys and we started playing basketball with them we had the opportunity to share the gospel with these boys just by playing a game of basketball you know we disciple our children as we go it's not some hey let's sit in front of you know together in a circle and it's going to happen. It's usually in those moments that we're going together and doing things together. And so just such a great discipline to make activity a part of your, of your plan. So tell us as we close, how can folks learn more about Iron Tribe? Uh, how, you talked about the online resources as well. How could folks find out if there's an Iron Tribe near them or how to get engaged with Iron Tribe? Yeah, simple. It's just irontribefitness.com or social media, Instagram or Facebook. Just type in Iron Tribe. There's a plethora of information out there. Uh, location tabs on there if you want to see if one's near. Uh, there's a good blog. Uh, my podcast is linked there. Um, yeah, that'd be the best place to go. And then workoutforwater.com, I'm sorry, is it dot .com? It's dot .org. Dot .org um, is all you need to know about Workout for Water. And our one coming up this year in Birmingham is actually going to be just be a 5K. So it's going to be a uh, much lower level of uh, stress. Uh, we have a hard time getting non-Iron Tribe people to come out and do it uh, because they're intimidated by all the different movements and exercises. So this year it's just a 5K. So really anybody can participate. Absolutely. Well, we're so grateful for your family and for what you do. And, and just to put a plug in there, you know, Forrest was a big part of me looking, going, I got to get fit, physically fit. And about six years ago, I started really putting more workouts into my routine. And I travel a ton, just got back from India. And every 
everything that he's saying is being able to work out in a hotel room or anywhere you are, you can always do it. And you don't have to take anything with you. You can use your body weight. You can run. You can be active. It's just getting your heart rate rate up. And it's so important. It gives you more energy. gives you more stamina and ability. And so uh, we need to do that first personally so we can minister well to our families, but also to model that for our children. Mm -hmm. You can actually run in place for 45 minutes. Isn't that what you told me? That's true. That's true. (laughs) You know me too well. Hey, I want to add one thing. Because it's super easy to listen to this and think, well, the Waldens got it all together. They have no issues. Literally last night, Mindy said, one of us is not going to make it, either Benjamin or me. I mean, it is constant day to day with that kid. He's just different than our other three kids. And we love him to death, but he is a struggle. And so for all you adoptive parents out there, we -hmm. we totally empathize with you. It is not easy. It hasn't been easy. Mm-hmm. before we brought him home and it certainly hadn't been easy after and even though he's almost 10 it's like there's daily struggles <laughs> when yeah. is he gonna get it you know <laughs> so yeah we don't have it all together but thank the lord um, he blessed us with this opportunity to impact benjamin's life because we we cannot wrap our head around how he would have made it without us we, we can't can't sometimes we wonder he if he's was, gonna make it with us uh, yeah, we sure. certainly didn't think he would make yeah, it without us so sick. and you guys played a huge part in that. Yeah. Being in our small group, knowing about Lifeline, you did our home study, uh, you've been there you know, for us the whole time. Thank you for your impact on our family. Amen. Well, thank you guys, and we're praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.